Welcome to Dayton War Cry Club. I'm Warren, and today I'm joined by my co-host, Fred. Today, we'll get back to some lists and some event coverage from not one, not two, but three local events we've been able to, to participate in. That's three weeks in a row of War Cry events. We'll also have our usual hobby update and plug for upcoming events as well. Hey, evening, Fred. How you been? Hey, so far, so good. It's been a busy few weeks. Uh, as we're recording this, this is the weekend after Thanksgiving, so we survived the holidays. Yes, and a lot of war cry. Yeah, you know, three war three war cry events uh, this month, and uh, we're actually got one coming up uh, next weekend too. We'll get we'll talk about a little bit more about that later, though. Uh, but we'll be averaging probably about two a month or so if uh, if uh, I had my way. Yeah, yeah, I think we can make that work. So uh, I also have a hobby update, uh, mostly my picks, but uh, I'm proud of it because I actually got some a fair amount of hobbying done during this time, too. And then we'll talk about uh, the organized play event we had at Epic Loot uh, that you were that you were there at. Yep. We'll talk about the Columbus narrative tourney that I went to that uh, our friend Jolly ran. And then we'll also talk a little bit about uh, the meetup we had at Mavericks. Uh, we met a couple new uh, players there. And we uh, we learned some stuff there too. So uh, there'll be a new place we'll put in the rotation for Dayton Warcry Club events. So this was when was this? This was I think the week or two before we started doing all these events. Um, this was the the our hobby hangout that we had at at uh, Zach's that no one else made it for. So it was just me and Zach in his basement, and I sat there building miniatures for about eight hours. Dower Kragen, so, I see. Yeah, I, I brought a lot of stuff. I got maybe through like probably like a quarter of the, everything that was in that tote in terms of like kit bashing. You got a you know Blackstone Fortress box there, almost a full kill team box. So just some of the highlights, I built some terrain, built the Bladeborn miniatures, including the one, the only Dower Kragen, my Dark Oath War Queen, and then kit bashed uh, some Stormcast Paladins. In my own, uh, with my own special way. Yeah, your uh, your helmet swaps, which I like. Yep. Look good. And there's and there's more where that, there's more where those came from too. So uh, spent uh, Thanksgiving weekend putting more stuff together, a little more kit bashing, an extra blood stoker. Uh, I got some. Uh, where the flying dudes? Judicators, prosecutors. Prosecutors. Yep. Yep. Got some prosecutors done with the helmets too. Got some. Uh, some 40k weapons attached to them, some storm shields, a Vargolf courtier. We'll talk a little bit about the Vargolf courtier and how he performed. And I got some painting finished too. Got some Skaven done finally because I had to get them done for that event. Uh, and a Horn Arc, you know, Horn Arc Regents, and uh, an extra Deathmaster. So two of those guys are from the uh, uh, Spike Claws Swarm, but I, I used them as a Deathmaster and a Storm Vermin for the uh, the event I was in. We'll talk a little bit more about my my Skaven list as we go on, too. But wait, there's more. So today is December 3rd as we're recording this, and this is the release date for Sundered Fates. Hey. So I have, a lot of, I have a lot of plastic sitting at home. And in my infinite wisdom, I also decided that the terrain for Sundered Fate was too sparse, and so I wanted to get a Heart of Gur set. Uh, actually... I don't have pictures of the cards, but there's there cards in the Sundered Fate. Six of the cards have 
uh, combined terrain sets, like a really awesome looking dense terrain. So with like four trees and like multiple walkways and stuff like that. And that's what I want to do for my for my Gur jungle board. Nice. So, so I needed the heart of Gur set for that. Got a good deal on that. Uh, the Rottmeyer Creed will be going to you. Yes. I'll we'll need to yeah. somehow get my hands on more bloated ones or convert some. I think maybe I can dig around in my Nurgle mortals for the shirtless guys and convert them. You can use some converting there. Uh, there's another trick too. Uh, I think who I think who um, the uh, the guy that does off meta musings. He did he did a guide on a complete guide on playing Nurgle Rotbringers or I'm sorry a complete guide on doing Rotmeyer Creed. I think he also talks a little bit about conversions as well. Yeah, I have to and, check that out because bloated ones are my main draw to the faction, and you get like one per box yeah you can take another medium guy and then you take some little bamboo pieces off another guy and then you can get them close enough to looking like a bloated one because yeah that is the he is the mvp of the team i think yeah yeah they're they're nuts speaking of nuts the the uh jade obelisk guys those guys are crazy good too so that'll be that'll be interesting to tinker with a little bit yeah, I was I dropped off the, the Jade Obelisk guys to Zach and Zach hadn't seen the stats. He wouldn't have been paying attention and he's going through it and he's like, wow. Yes. Like, the most expensive guy here is 110 and they're all like solid. It is a pretty interesting, pretty interesting warband. Seems pretty pushed in a lot of ways. Now, yeah. Not just not just the move three guys. Yeah, no, the guy that does. Um, there's one guy that's outrageously efficient. I can't remember which one it is. Um, but they have yeah, the, a better the desecrator. Yeah, desecrators yeah, with the hammers. Yeah, yeah. hundred points, three five, three five. Yeah, outrageously good. Um, the leader's not bad. The leader, yeah. she's twenty wounds for one hundred ten. Yep, yep. So good stuff. Be fun to play around with. Yep. Uh, Joel has the lizard spoken for, but uh, and so yeah, I got more to build plus two boxes of this with all the terrain and all I can say is that I'm in danger. Yeah. That's going to be good luck, but uh, I'm getting, I'm making, it's, I'm getting momentum done. I'm getting all the stuff built. Try if I get all the stuff off the sprues, that's one thing done. And then we wait for a nice day, go to Zach's garage, prime all the stuff in Zach's garage, or at least until we can't breathe anymore. That yeah, should be a good time. Yeah. I actually got some painting done today. Um, I am kind of high on ogres, which I had kind of backburner because I played them so much in 1.0, but I'm kind of high on them in 2.0. And so I actually got to work on some of the pirate ogres. So for the next, um, next episode we do, I'll actually have some updates of uh, the pirate ogre squad. Sweet. Yeah, and we and we were talking, you know, just in the group chat about it, and you know, I think it's it's hard to build a bad ogre uh, warband. You know, yeah, just three. Your combination of three, maybe even four big guys, a bunch of noblars, and I think you're I think you're pretty uh, strong. Yeah, noblars are so cheap that it, you can you can field the three best fighters on the board and still have eight models very easily. Um, so it's, it's, I think it's worth tinkering with and, and, and um, on the mall path got, got buffed 
which was a big gain for them because that was kind of the drawback before is they were a little on the slow side, but now they're moved seven on demand. So, so yeah, I'll have a lot more about that next, uh, next episode, I think. Yep. And as you can see, uh, and you know, as you can see from my picks, right, the next things I'm doing are updates to, so I finished Skaven or I have Skaven to where I want in 2.0, uh, at least for now, before I expand it again. Flesh Eater Quartz, got that Vargolf Courtier, and I'll be expanding that out. And then the Stormcast will be next on the list, probably some either Stormcast and or Iron Jaws. We'll talk a little bit about Iron Jaws here, too. Yep. Sounds good. So, uh, so November 13th, we had a organized play event. So just six players. We had a couple new ones, a couple new players show up. Uh, we ran these three, uh, missions. We ran hidden vault, treasure hunters and reaper. So an objective mission, a treasure mission, and a, uh, uh, a killing mission. And so we actually had, uh, yeah, we actually had a, a few new players. Uh, all of them had kill team experience and they all played, they all did pretty well for themselves, uh, not having, uh, a lot of Warcry experience. Uh, you lent your Flesh Eater Quartz to somebody, and he actually had some very close games. Uh, I like that list days. a lot. I like that list a lot. I think it's good. Yep. But, uh, who, and then uh, we got your Terror Geist there looking great. But uh, who won it all? Well, it was you. Yes, it certainly was. So your list was Terror Geist, Necromancer, Cryptgast Ally, Three Grave Guard with Great White Blade, one Grave Guard with White Blade and Shield, and then three Skeletons with Spears. 995 points, 10 models. Tell us about your list. I think the list is really, really good. Um, I think this or, or something like it, and there are changes I would definitely make to it. Um, if I was preparing for an event that... Um, allowed monsters the the next event that i'm preparing for is the store championship the dayton warcry club store championship which is a monster free meta um so i haven't taken another real firm pass over this list but just off the top of my head i think this list or something very close to it is um one of the better lists you could play competitively i think the terrorgeist is good it's not as good as the chimera um and obviously, for like 15 points more, the Chimera is going to give you um, a better model. Uh, right. But what the Chimera does not have is Soul Black Gravelords as its backup. Right. Um, the supporting cast. Yes. Um, so um, this, you get to play a monster and still have 10 models and have your chaff units be scary. Like... You get to play 10 models, but you still play four Graveguard. Um, and you you could tweak around this a little bit. For, for the, the main takeaway I had from the event is I never used the Cryptgast. He was there to move the Graveguard around with his triple. Um, but uh, A... You, you, you want to Dragon Maul every turn, so... Yeah, A, you want to Dragon Maul every turn. So you're, you're really thirsty for triples. Um, you never have two. And if you only have one and your monster is still alive, you need the dragon maul. Um, and two, if you're dragging and mauling, I did this a lot. Um, you take the enemy, the model you want to kill, and you drag it into your graveguard ball. So you don't need to move the graveguard faster. They just need to be close to the terror geist, and the terror geist will pull targets to them. And then, like, you just get like a million graveguard attacks. Yeah, isn't. Didn't you kill a mega boss that way or something yes. like that? It, the mega boss died in the first round. He got dragon mauled, 
attacked once by the Terrorgeist and then attacked by three Graveguard and he died. Um, and I was like, oh, there's something to this strategy. Um, and I, so the Cryptgas was just a 105 point bad fighter all day. Um, so you could definitely repurpose those points into another Graveguard and another Skeleton and immediately make the list better, I think. You go up to 11 mm -hmm. models and you have to get another Graveguard. Um, but but the, the core of the list is you out-activate your opponents and you have a monster. So you really get to pick and choose when your monster acts because you can force their leader to act or their support model or whatever by burning activations. And once it's activated and it gets Dragon Maul, that it, it's over. You know, if you can Dragon Maul a model that's already activated that round, you're you're going to kill it. Um, generally speaking, so um, I, I really like the concept of out activating your opponent while bringing a really scary monster. And I think Soul Black Grave Lords is probably the best way to do that. The other ones you can do are like Nurgle demons with a Chimera, but like. There's a big difference between a plague bearer and a, a grave guard, right? Like the yeah. plague bearers are good for activations and they can soak wounds, but they don't get to to murder ball effectively. Like like three grave guard together in a deployment group is, is is actually like a really efficient and threatening deployment. And like a couple of rock bringers together is like yeah, if they get it on an objective. It's going to take a while to clear them, but you're not in any danger of them killing anything. So I think this is a really good mix of a lot of models with a monster while still playing really effective, efficient combat models. Yeah. Cut the Cryptgast. You could even you could you could do a lot of things. You could cut the Cryptgast and the Necromancer and bring in a Vampire Lord, um, and then fill in the points elsewhere. You could just bring in a, a, a Grave Guard and a Skeleton. You could take a look at cutting the Necromancer and the Cryptgast and bringing in a Dreadblade Harrow. Um, you have to get a a leader in there. Yeah, we talked uh, about we we've talked about White King since. Yeah, last yeah, week. that's 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 definitely something I've looked at a lot. For ten more points from a Necromancer, you actually get a unit that can fight, um, which which yeah. is really good. And then yeah, you so can yeah, bring being in the, being the second cheapest hero, but not as embarrassing in combat. Yeah, then you cut the Cryptgast and bring in a uh, Grave Guard with White Blade and Shield and a Skeleton and turn the Necromancer into a White King. And Because I never used the Necromancer for anything except he was a cheap leader and he resurrected Grave Guard when I needed him to later in the game, which a White King can also do, but also can fight um, with, you, with your Grave Guard. So there's there's a lot of ways to build this list. Obviously, Soul Black Grave Lord is absurdly deep. Um, but I think building around Graveguard plus a Terrorgeist is, is, a, is where I would start if I was preparing for an open tournament. Yeah, you can make the points work pretty much with, with all those cheap models, 40 points, 55 points, 65 points. And then if you, need you can pick the hero of your choice and pretty much guarantee you're going to come in real close to 1,000. Yeah, and then even when you're tinkering at points, Skeleton Champion is 70. So you have 55 you have 40, 55, 65, 70, all viable units to mix and match to make the points work. That's one of the big strengths of the faction is you can always get the points to work out. And Sons of Elmorn. Yeah, and Sons of Elmorn fill in there too, which this is pre-Sons of Elmorn. And I don't know 
off the top of my head if I would swap the Graveguard and Skeletons for a Sons of Elmorn package. But the upside to that is it does give you a good thing to do with your doubles. Um, because you're feeding all your triples to the Terrorgeist, and it yep. would give you... The, the sibling rivalry is a pretty effective double to, um, to, to kind of feather in there a little bit. So... Yeah, have Thane fourth and last go nuts with that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So there's there's a million different ways to build this list. I'm not saying this is the best version of it, but I think the core concept here is maybe one of the best things you can be doing overall. Yeah, I agree. So and then yeah, and you mentioned since uh, so we had a winner, we had a winner with a monster this month, we had a winner with a monster last month, Chad with uh, Nurgle Chimera. Um, and based on some feedback from the players, plus my own observations, uh, you know, Dayton is going to be a monster free zone now, probably. Uh, you know, we might do monsters again, like by exception, maybe for for certain one off events. But uh, in general, to make this to make it more like, you know, newbie friendly, we're going to play some good on his war cry from here on out. So I'm, I'm really interested to kind of see how those uh, how those sessions turn out. Yeah, I've been focusing on it a lot. Um, and you really build completely differently. If, if, if you're, if there's not going to be any monsters there, the things you're focusing on are so much different. Like you don't need a monster slash monster killer as the starting point of your list, which is where I think you have to start in 2.0. If monsters are going to be in the meta where you like have to, the first thing you need to do with the list is, okay, how do I handle a chimera? Right. It's kind of like what Salty, what Salty was talking about in his, in his monster video, where it really skews, it, it skews the meta back to where the play, the, the, the playable units back to where it was in 1.0, where you have monsters, you have big guys that can hit, stand up to and fight monsters and you have chaff and that you have that, that mid range trap, you know, all those 150 point fighters get real bad when they can just get dragon mauled. Yeah. They just, when they get one shot by monsters and and can't effectively do anything. Yeah. You have, it becomes actually worse than it was in 1.0 in terms of like unplayable models. And that's, that's not where I think Warcry needs to be. I I don't mind it as much, but I will say that it definitely is very different when you sit down to build lists. Cause the first, the first thing you have to do is you start with, I'm playing this faction because it's good against monsters for this reason. And if you're not starting there, you're going to lose to monsters. If, if the, if, if you're not building around the concept of like, this list is designed to beat monsters in this way. Um, you know, it's that old adage. You never play something that's a worse version of something else. So in 2.0 with monsters in the meta, like if you can't say my list is best at fighting monsters from this angle, it's probably a suboptimal competitive list. That's that's just the fact. Monsters are just that good. Um, but yeah, uh, beat a chimera with this list by out activating it. And yeah, get- you, well, yeah. So Dave's not on. He might be on a little bit later at the tail end of this. But uh, we actually, well, we have his list. We'll talk about we'll talk about his list there and how that game went. So yeah, yeah. It's 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 interesting. Yeah, play Soulblood Gravelords right now with monsters, without monsters. It's they're they're really really very, good. Yeah, very strong. So second place we had newcomer David with uh, Iron Jaws. This is so the person played, I played in the first round. Yep, David's list was Mega Boss, three brutes with Gore Choppa, 
That's the 175 point model, uh, three five three six uh, stat line, and then two three. Range also. Yep, two inch range as well. Correct, and then three Ard boys with Choppa and Shield. So not the not the heavy hitters. Three attacks, strength four, one four, but toughness five. 15 wounds, 80 points. Real simple. Uh, those brutes hit real hard, and he had three of them. Yeah. Uh, the mega boss. The mega boss is is scary as as, as well. Uh, seven models, which is you know just about fine for uh, you know just fine for Iron Jaws. But usually where they those lists sort of end up. Here's here's what I was impressed about with this list, um, and this actually got me really thinking about ogres afterwards. Um, was charge is really good. Um, the 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 army is slow. Yep. But a brute with a Gorchapa or a Mega Boss, when it gets where it's going, it, they can outfight almost anything that they're running into. So, so having a decent movement ability like Charge um, is pretty good at... Now, our mission was not a treasure mission or anything where they would have to chase anybody. It was a get, it, get on top of the objectives and fight on the objectives mission. But yep. charge was really effective at getting those guys there early, and then, then they just have to stand there and fight. Um, so I was impressed they were a little more mobile than I was expecting, and really the game came down to I had to keep a brute away from the final objective. Right, um, messing. Yeah, and I managed to do that with the enormous base of the Terrorgeist and Dragon Maul strategic kind of stuff, and then building like a screen of skeletons so you couldn't get through without disengaging. I, I was impressed with the list. It was better than I thought it was going to be. Um, on yeah. paper, I wasn't super impressed with, you know, it's seven models and the Ard Boys, like, don't do much damage. It's I felt like I needed a Gorgrunta in there. <coughs> uh, all the lists I've been drafting for, for Iron Jaws have had a have had a Gorgrunta in there, but for all, for being all foot orcs, he did, he did very well. Brutes are good. Brutes are good. Is my so, takeaway, I guess. Brutes, brutes are really good. You field a couple of those filling around the edges, and it's competitive, absolutely. Yep. Uh, Chapel with shield is an interesting choice. Usually, my favorite loadout is the two-handed weapon, but yes. uh, I'll be looking at I'll be looking at choppas and shields too. Maybe because if you want them to just eighty wounds, toughness five. If you want them to sit around on an objective, then uh, that is uh, that's uh, worth you know. It serves a different purpose. Yeah, I agree. At, at 80 points with that stat line, they're not really out fighting things, but they can certainly out tank things. Um, I still think they're a little expensive um, for for the stat line. Uh, our boys, they're they're I, it was uh, they're not great, I, I think, but they are serviceable enough to support the brutes, which do a lot of work. And then in third place, uh, we had Chris. So Chris is uh, David's father. In um, both Chris and Dave, they both they both play uh, Kill Team, so they're coming from Kill Team. They played they had they both had one game of Warcry under their belt, uh, and did really well. Uh, I actually work with Chris. He's uh, uh, he teaches uh, at the same place I do, so he's a pretty smart guy. We and we've chatted, we've talked a lot about stats and metrics, and he thinks the same way I think about a lot of things. So he's attracted to Soulblight Gravelords in part because. The, the faction is a strong, very competitive, and then also very, very wide. You have, you know, he can go a million different directions with the faction. 
And so uh, what he is using is, so he used a vampire lord as a leader, uh, also using a Cryptgast ally. Uh, he's using a Seneschal, a hundred, the 100 point skeleton, uh, three grave guard with great white blade. He has two th- dire wolves as thralls, and he's heavier on the skeletons. He has five skeletons with spears. Now, the Seneschal, he's in there because I uh, had chatted with him about some older lists. And uh, back when the Seneschal was, you know, were really uh, still had Dominion Rude Mark and was like 120 points or so in 1.0, you got all that value from resing a Seneschal. Uh, he wanted to have that trick in there. In retrospect, I think actually the difference between a Seneschal and a Grave Guard is probably a lot less now. I mean, it has more wounds, but it's the same, it's the same profile the three, five, two, four profile. So it's probably better off maybe being another grave guard now, but uh, I mean, it's a, it's a cool looking skeleton leader, a little bit different hat on them and stuff like that. Uh, 995 points, 13 models. So this is more of your swarmy uh, soul bright, soul black grave guard list. Yep. I played him uh, in round three list seemed pretty good. The, my takeaways were, I like the Vampire Lord. I've been building with the Vampire Lord. I like the Vampire Lord is relatively tanky. Um, Move five flyer. They can get across the board and start resurrecting your grave guard um, in another part of the board. Yeah, he's good all around. And if you want to do the the slingshot resurrect trick, like, you know, fly 10 and then pop, you know, create just pop a graveyard guard up into combat with somebody out of nowhere. I think he's probably the most, the, the, probably the cheapest vehicle for that. Yeah, so, so I like the great, the Vampire Lord. Um, what ended up happening is that he ended up with, some, we were in round three, and we had a lot of models apiece, and he ended up just leaving the Vampire Lord at the edge of Dragon Maul range, um, and the Vampire Lord got killed very, very quickly, and then he no longer had it, had a res as an option, and I managed to grind through him. Yeah. So, um but overall, I think the list is good. I think we talked about it, and I think he was also fairly unimpressed with this Cryptgast. This list could easily be 15 models um, if you cut the Cryptgast and the Seneschal and demoted them down to Skeletons and Graveguards. And I think it might actually even be A, killier, and B, you'd get more models out of it. I saw the Direwolves in play uh, versus Flesh Eater Quartz on the Treasure Mission. And uh, the dire wolves were really interesting because they're fast movers and without the beast rune mark, so they're actually able to pick up treasure. Yeah, eighty-five points to me seems like kind of a lot for what you get, but it's hard to argue with the fact that they are eighty-five points and move eight treasure carriers. Yeah, um, you, you have, have, you have but, points to spare because you're playing still black grave lords and everything else is so cheap. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I thought they were good uh, at doing that. Uh, I might not play two, maybe, if I was building the list. But I think having one is really interesting as a fast option. And then, yeah, the rest of it is just, like, under-costed, good, so like Gravelord stuff. Yep. Really interesting to see what changes he makes for uh, for the next time we meet up, you know, without yeah. monsters or, you know, what he what he learned and where he wants to go with it. If I was playing without monsters, I think my Silver Graveyard lists are ending up around 10 to 12 models because they're very Graveguard heavy. But um, I think that there's a lot you can do with that and put together a competitive list in a lot of ways. If you don't have monsters, then do you think Crypt Gas kind of goes back up in value with given the, getting that uh, uh, that mobility? 
keep in mind also, this was before the FAQ came out as well. So we were running, yeah, so we were running Crip Gas. Rules is written that triple was the full value of the triple. It was recently, since then it was FAQ'd and only works for half the value of the triple now. This is true. Um, I think that if you want that effect, it's no longer good enough to have a unit that is just a point sink into that ability. Because a Crip Gas is not a great model at 105 points outside of that ability. I think you go, you make room all, if you want that effect, you make room for the Vargolf. Um, Vargolf, Ghoul Ghoul King, Archregent, something that can fight, something that can fight. Make room for a a decent fighter that can use that when it needs to and not make that a core part of your strategy. And I think you end up with better allocation of points. It. So I guess long story short, I don't think that ability is worth bringing just for that ability anymore. But I think there's models with that ability that are good enough that I'd bring them for the model and have the ability <laughs> is kind of where I'm at. Yep. So also honorable mention. So our good friend Dave with Slaves Darkness, he went. So he went big. He kept on going bigger and bigger here. So he brought a five model list. Chimera. Dark Oath War Queen, Ogroid Myrmidon, his his probably his favorite ally, uh, a Chaos Warrior with Sword and Shield at 110, and a Marauder with Flail. 1,000 points, five models. Uh, what do you think about this list? He's not here to defend himself. He can he he might get his he might get his say later on. But uh, what do you think about this? The obviously the Chimera is doing most of your heavy lifting in this list. Um, the Ogroid Myrmidon is is fine. Uh, it, it's it's a good fighter, but uh, you when if the Chimera dies in this list, you don't have a great backup plan. Um, your Chaos Warrior and your Marauder aren't like going out and like winning one on one fights all over the board. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, we saw um, a very uh, low model count list uh, with the Chimera as a focus do very well. Uh, at Warhammer World, yeah. Uh, so there's obviously something there to the list. Yeah. Um, so this kind of gets into the whole theory of. So remember our initial theory when building Chimera lists was you want to surround the Chimera with as many bodies as possible. You want to try to, if possible, exhaust all of the opponent's activations and then let the Chimera just go crazy, uh, like two maybe get two or three turns in a row. Yeah. What we've seen since then from Chimera lists are, you know, a Chimera, you know, with like maybe six other models, you know, not quite going as high on the model count as, as we first thought. Yeah. Dave took it down even further, but then he went up against you. And so you had how many models in your list? 10 models, 11 models with your terror yeah. guys. And so what ended up happening, and I think this isn't just a fluke or like I outplayed David or anything there. Just the way it works on a war cry board. When you can force the chimera to move first and you still have five plus activations left and you can double bracket it or bracket it um, with impunity, it gets a lot worse. It's I think if your opponent doesn't have a monster, you can play a chimera plus four or five models and not necessarily worry about it as much. If your opponent has a monster and is out activating you, it's much harder to make your monster effective. It was my big takeaway from, from this event. The Chimera is vulnerable once it activates, because it can't move and attack, obviously. 
So it'll like move and dragon maul one of your models, and then you can just pour a lot of fire into it when you have five, six activations left over. And once you start attacking monsters, they they die or bracket into irrelevancy a lot quicker than they might look like on paper. It has been my experience. Like if you focus them down, you can kill monsters. The one time I was successful dealing with that chimera, I managed to bracket it once, bracket it twice, and it still took out two Korgoraths. Sure. But, but still a was, very reasonable model double bracketed, but not yeah. 390 points. Right. So I think this strategy can be effective. I think the counterplay to it is is monster with more models. Um, and I think that monster with more models is very hard for this kind of list to play around. Just mathematically, it's just the way that the activations work out. It's hard for them to get to, to find that angle, to find that weak point, to to get ahead on act, you know, start killing models and even out that activation disparity it is difficult for this to do. Just you run out of activations. Yep. And then uh, also uh, to honor the prize, but uh, but still uh, good showing. We think this is a solid list, uh, and this is something I'm building towards as well. So uh, Justin played your flesh eater courts. So he had an abhorrent arch regents, Vargolf courtier. Uh, allied in a Dreadblade Harrow, and we've had other other models in that slot, but we had the Night Haunt Dreadblade Harrow, and we had five ghouls. Uh, the way this shook out to be 100,000 <coughs> points even, uh, eight models. And from the games I saw, the Vargolf Courtier was was very strong, dominating the battlefield uh, with its triple, you know, when it pops its triple, it goes up to a straight six attacks, five strength. Three five, which is uh, is which is really scary. Uh, can get to where it needs to go. Arch regions isn't bad. Uh, Harrow has some tricks to it as well. Yeah. Um. So I think this list is probably pretty good. I don't know that it's better than cutting the arch region and the ghouls and just slotting in soul blood grave lord models. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you. You cut the abhorrent arc regent for a um, necromancer and a grave guard, and then you just take as many grave guards as you can fit in the ghoul slot, and the list might just be better, um, just because Silver Gravelord is so good. But the Vargolf Courtier it, it really has impressed me consistently across the board. Um, the the thing that's cool about its triple terrifying frenzy um, is you can pretty reasonably, if you have good triple move him and then pop the triple and attack and you basically get the equivalent of, of an extra action out of it right because right. if you yep. get three extra attacks he has three base attacks so you can kind of move double attack you know equivalent yep. it's um, pretty much what is, it comes down to yep yeah which is very cool um plus it has 35 wounds um and it has the the fec movement ability if you do need to get move models moved across the board this list doesn't have that problem because the abhorrent arc region is fast the courtier is fast and the dreadblade harrow is like the fastest unit in the game right it moves 10 it can teleport but uh you know it's always there for the utility uh i think the list is probably pretty solid i think the big takeaway is the vulgar courtier is expensive but it's it's very effective yeah, I think I saw the Dreadblade Hero actually res the Vargolf Courtier once. Yes, very you cool. That. You have that trick. And we've looked at other models in that slot as well. Um, the original build for this uh, had a, uh, I believe, a Crypt Haunter in there at the same price. So 
And the yeah, idea the for that was the yeah, to combo Chosen of the King. If he happens to get in a fight nearby the Arch Regent, you can buff him. You could also have that be a Crypt Flare as a flyer. But uh, at the same price, I think we're kind of deciding now that Dreadblade Harrow at 235 is the superior flyer to the FEC Crypt Flare. Yeah, the um, the Crypt Flare... It has a couple more hit points, but it has like almost the same profile. I think it's the exact same attack profile, but just like the utility from the Harrow that it gives yeah. you. Yeah, Crypt Flares have gotten to the point where I'm never super impressed with the amount of damage you get out of them for their point cost. Um, so yeah, I think the Dreadblade Harrow works pretty well in, in that in that slot because it gives you a whole different angle that you did not have before, which teleport across the board, uh, resurrect something, um, which is cool and powerful. And I'd rather have that than just a relatively lackluster attack profile on a fast model. Um, so point for point, I think the Dreadblade Hero is pretty good. Yeah, so that was that tournament. And then the following week, uh, so I went, went by myself to Columbus, went to go represent Dayton, uh, Jolly ran a narrative tournament. So this was kind of like the, uh, the, the Fel Nyroth tournament where there were just, uh, you, you racked up points towards the overall winner as you went through the rounds, but you also gained, uh, some power and some artifacts and stuff for your warband as you went on. So you could, um, rounds one through three, there was minor artifacts available on the board that you could pick up like treasure. And so I was running around <coughs> stealing those. Uh, you also got, a set one renown per round that you could assign to a guy so you could give some additional rerolls uh or or free reactions i don't think i quite did that i don't think i quite understood that system as well as uh i could have i might probably should have would have done something a little bit different with the way i built my heroes but uh there are like all thematic missions kind of designed by jolly here and uh i took it down uh went four and oh with uh with my double pack master special uh I've talked about it here before it was good to kind of see it in action and see all right you know put my money where my mouth is say hey i think skaven are still good and i think this list is good and uh i managed to prove it it wasn't easy uh, i'll talk about some of my games uh, i had to i had to fight from 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 behind in a couple of my games um it's nowhere near as as face rolly as you know having ten models on the board and being able to out activate people and stuff like that. But uh, I had my my typical master molder, two rat ogres, two pack masters. The pack master rat ogre combo is one of the strongest ones in the game, one of the strongest ones in the faction. And I like having the additional uh, redundancy and having the, you know multiple pack masters and the master molder. And uh, so I got I got rid of the Got rid of the the, uh, the giant rats and the plague monks. They're a little bit too expensive for me now. And I so I was testing with a Deathmaster, uh, trying to see how how it played, trying to get used to uh, how to, it can best be used. And then uh, we rounded it out with a Storm Vermin with Halberd. At, at 95 points, toughness 4, 10 wounds. He doesn't fall over dead like all the other Skaven do. He he can at least maybe take you know a second a second punch has a reasonable attack profile and it comes out to uh 995 points but only seven models and uh so i was actually outnumbered in most of my games and that was very unusual to me uh yeah i mean you're you're playing two rat ogres <laughs> you know that's it's the price you pay even though they are still 
and everything well everything else is nothing else is cheap either because everything yeah. else has move six or yeah. move seven so you're paying for that movement there's there's yep. no there's no cheap fighters in uh in skaven anymore and the, the one the even the cheapest ones are not that good pack masters at 70 because they have that ability still those are acceptable yeah i mean i brad ogres get in there and they they do a lot of work yeah they That's, still have that they still have that insane attack profile yeah yeah so yeah i think the list is very good so second place was sam uh with stormcast eternal warriors so sam's sam very tight player as well he's another kill team guy and uh i was when, when i saw his list and i saw what he had so he actually had uh uh custodes uh he'd kit bash or essentially he just was using mostly custodes as, as stormcast which worked pretty well um he had a little bit of everything here so he had the uh, his leader was the knight vexilor the knight vexilor has an ability uh it's a movement ability he had a prosecutor with hammer and shield so that's the uh the 200 point prosecutor reasonable attack profile toughness six had adjudicator with bolt storm crossbow uh, a fairly decent shooter, a four-four-two-four shooter. He had uh, a protector, the range three, move three guy uh, that hits like a truck. He had a liberator with grand blade. Had not seen that profile before, but it's a very scary fighter. Uh, his yeah, I think the liberator with grand blade is 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 a really good model. Um, yeah. I haven't gotten to play with it, but it's on my very short list of stuff I'd like to play with. After seeing it, I I agree. Yeah, move four, uh, four attack, strength four, three, five, and uh, rounding out with a liberator with sword and shield. Uh, thousand points, six models. So I played him, uh, right ogres, and the lowest toughness is five. This is where Salty was asking us before, like, no one plays Stormcast in your area? And we're like, no, no one plays Stormcast in our area. Well, I got to, I got the Stormcast experience. Yep. Right over just hitting on fives. And uh, I, it was a lot slower grinding through 20 wound models with toughness five. Yeah, I believe that. Um, it, it, it's, it, it requires kind of, it, it makes you value some different things um your grave guard aren't quite as killy you know when you're attacking toughness six that kind of stuff but uh, it's an interesting list yeah a ton of variety uh a ton of variety and uh i mean but all of them solid models like there aren't any models there that i wouldn't you know that i don't think are embarrassing yeah i, I agree i think the models are good it's a little little model light and a little slow and that's just the stormcast experience but uh, certainly pound for pound, you're going to win a lot of fights. Yep. And then third place, we had Lindsay with Nurgle Mortals. Uh, I played Lindsay in round one. Uh, so, yeah, just Nurgle Mortals, eight, eight foot models. Just yep. all, all Blight Kings. Yep, all Blight Kings, all move three. I noticed they all had toughness four. They have um across the board they have a lot of wounds but they actually don't have a, a really high toughness yeah so, they are um they're hp uh tanks you know they're just they have a lot of wounds yep so the rat ogres yeah so in this case the rat ogres actually performed a little bit uh better against them and then also the the uh the movements uh wound up kind of being a liability as well yeah they're slow they're still not quite there i don't think um in terms of just raw competitive, they're a lot better than they used to be. Yep. 
Um, but the list was the list was well painted, and this was actually the uh, the uh, the winner for the uh, the best painted or the the best warband in terms of theme, because there was a, a a voting session for that, and I think it was it was a you know well deserved award. Yeah. So talk talk a little bit about the missions here. So the job the job was a kill mission where both sides had to pick two models. And those two models were going to be goons. And if a goon, and so at the end of it, at the beginning of turn one, you pick your two two of your models on the table, and they're your goons. If your goon killed a non-goon model, you you earned a victory point. If you killed an opponent's goon, you earned two victory points. And those are the only way to earn victory points. So um, okay. my rat, yeah. So my two ratovers were goons, uh, and I wanted to like you know get them into combat, smash some stuff real quick, um, and also if possible, smash the opponent's goons because a you get the two points, and then b you stop you slow their uh, their point scoring down. So um, it uh, went to plan. I managed to kill an opponent's goon very quickly. I can't remember if I lost one of my goons or not. I think I eventually did, but it wasn't early on. But I had that early points lead. And uh, since this is versus Nurgle Mortals, my move six across the board, move five and move six, meant that I was able to, in- to decide exactly where I wanted to engage. Like, she would have a critical mass of models in, like, one corner of the board that came in, and I would just be like, nope, I'm not fighting there. And, like, I would just run across the board, like, double move, you know, 12 inches away. And uh, a number of their, a number of fighters just, uh, just never had any sort of uh, effect on the battle. And so that was uh, what I was doing actually in a lot of games was actually because I didn't have a rat, you know, not count besides the rat overs, most of my guys will not win in a straight up fight. I spent a lot of time just running away from people. So that was, that, that was really interesting. You know, try, you try to protect the models, uh, especially because, like, you know, if there's objective missions or something like that, you need you need to keep models alive for objective missions. Yeah, seems reasonable. The second round uh, was jailbreak. And so we both both teams had a prisoner. You got a points for rescuing your prisoner. You know, one of your guys that was a prisoner. You got points for preventing them from rescuing yours. But uh, the way the board was set up, I think it was probably I think it would have been hard to prevent it uh, in either event. And so. Uh, the final point was whoever school, you know, whoever killed more points worth of models. And so we eventually both rescued each our prisoners. And uh, so in this one, it came down to uh, who had the who had killed more points worth of stuff at the end. And in this one I played. I can't remember his name, but he was playing uh, Splintered Fang, those poison dudes. And um, he played very aggressively. He was like running his guys straight up into the rat ogres. And he was getting damage on the rat ogres, but then the rat ogres are hitting back and like one shotting his venom bloods and stuff like that. And so I don't think those are really great trades for him. But um, uh, you know, I, I, hey, I'll take them. Uh, the the one thing that he did have, uh, probably one of his most effective units, was uh, I think they're venom bloods with spears because they have that range two. They have re- they have good damage with a two four damage profile. And um, he made use of that double, Uh, the generic double for Splintered Fang says that you wound on threes. So it doesn't matter what your strength is. 
if you activate poison weapon, you you hit on threes. So that takes, you know, even though you have strength three, if you you could fight off, you could fight red ogres, and instead of hitting on fives, now you're hitting on threes. You could use that versus Stormcast for, with good effect as well. And I thought that was actually a, a really strong double, actually. Uh, he yes, actually, seems like it. He managed to put some some serious hurt on the Rat Ogres, and uh, once we got towards the end of the game, I didn't I didn't do the all the math on like I, I was pretty sure I was ahead, but I didn't do all the math. But I managed to you know run some guys away, protect them uh, long enough, and, and sure enough, yeah, I was ahead on points at the end of round four and uh, and won that one. The next round was the resources, and so this is where I played Sam on Stormcast. So this was a tough one. The way this model, or the way this mission was set up, uh, in round one, there's two objectives. And this is one of the ones where you score points as you go throughout the game. So you can you can rack up a, you can rack up uh, a lot of points early. And then in round three, another objective shows up for this for the final turns of the game as well. And that one is was worth like two points apiece. If you if you if you controlled that objective had more had more models on it, so I have to play very very defensively throughout this uh, because you you want to keep guys as, as alive for as long as possible to score points as long as possible. I'm able to use my movement to kind of like sneak objectives a little bit, and uh, you know if you know once he's committed to one place, uh, I can sneak in and, and jump on an objective. Uh, I love playing that sort of game with Skaven. I uh, we we realized actually Sam realized first that you could actually place uh, because those objectives are diagonal. You had a very small space where you could actually put someone right <coughs> diagonally between them and actually have them count towards both objectives. So he would straddle the objectives, and then I realized that, and so I copied his tactic and I started straddling objectives as well. He drove, and it was very very close. The game could have gone probably either way. Until and so the end of round three, he had a protector kind of in the middle, um, a fresh protector, and we know the protector is a really dangerous piece with a huge threat radius. And uh, you know, I'm I'm cracking whips on rat overs, you know, chipping away at them, but I'm usually getting like you know four points, maybe eight points of damage uh, on an attack, slowly wearing them down. And uh, against this fresh protector, I uh, do a rat over attack. And I get five, six, six, crit, crit, hit 20. And that's, you know, you roll enough dice, you eventually you're going to spike a die roll. And uh, I think that swung it for me there. Yeah, and that's, that's sort of the downside to um, paying points for, for toughness, right? Is it like sometimes you just get crit to death and you're just like, well, that sucks. But um that's that's the name of the game. Warcry is a is a crit based game, and sometimes you're going to get crit to death. Yeah. So he was yeah. So he was down a model there and down a lot of killing power by that point, and so so I managed to pull that one up. But again, it's super super tight game. Uh, really well played by Sam. Uh, look forward to next time I go up to Columbus. Uh, I gave him all the Discord info. He I think he's interested in coming down here, either getting with our kill team community down here in Dayton. Or potentially playing Warcry here too, so he's gonna—he's a force to be reckoned with. Uh, you know, definitely one of the best players in the room. 
And so at this point, I'm 3-0. and I pretty much have it locked up. I still got to play uh, the fourth round. It's very, it's possible I'll lose on tie breaks or, or victory points if I don't win this one. So this is the showdown. And so this one now, storyline-wise, uh, you pick one of your characters that has renown, and you be, they become an avatar, and they gain additional abilities. You get a you get an ability that lets you if you're running through if you're running through somebody, you can pull someone with you. You get a push ability, like an AOE push ability to just blast everyone within <laughs> one inch, just blast them out two inches. And you had these these raised pillars there that you had to be wholly within the, the you had to be wholly within to score points. Your avatar was worth two models on it. And uh, after round three, uh, anything outside on the ground was sudden death to, to force a big fight in the middle. And it was a, a, an area of like a, just a big kind of team fight area objective control thing. And I played against Iron Golems, actually. Um, Mario with Iron Golems. And uh, so he had you know, Dominar. Uh, he had a leader. He had triple drill master. I think he had two armaders and two other guys. So... Uh, you know, eight models. The uh, the drill masters are still very dangerous with the quad. They have that AOE. It used to be a triple, but that AOE uh, on a quad is is dangerous. And he actually uh, Mario played very well. He killed both my pack masters early. You recognize that the pack masters are the engine that like r- runs my warband. Yeah, Plus, I also, always kill pack masters first. Yep. Plus, also, like, they're a weak point for, like, if you're counting on points for, you know, these area control objective missions as well. So I was I was hurting there. And then also my my death master, I had appointed to become my my avatar. And actually, my death master hadn't really been doing a whole lot throughout this uh, tournament and never really had opportunities to kill something bigger than him. I sort of realized, and we'll talk a little bit more, you know, from the from the follow up event, that uh, you know the Deathmaster. You don't want to throw a Deathmaster in versus something that's way bigger than him. Uh, I don't think I ever used Running Death once, uh, or really had a good opportunity to uh, to to use it. Uh, I mean, he was he would uh, he would do some chip damage in. He would he would he could get to where he wanted to go very easily with a 14 inch double move, but. Uh, I never really used him very effectively, and he got gibbed. He got gibbed by the uh, uh, by the by the opponent fairly early on in this game. So now I'm really fighting from behind because I got four models left. I'm missing I'm missing my Deathmaster, a significant uh, piece, and my Deathmaster has all of these like special abilities that like these area control abilities that let you do this like you know Fusroda AOE push out of the out of the circle, while his leader still has it. And can really mess me up. So this actually wound up being a really, really tight game because of that. Kind of fight, you know, was kind of like fighting from behind the whole time. But uh, the the two rat ogres they lived throughout the whole thing, and eventually, you know, I just I think it wound up being I would do something like run over with it with I would like rampage, run over with a rat ogre or something like that, smash a guy and then run back, you know, doing uh, doing stuff like that with my. Uh, uh, with my with my moves and so uh, yeah managed to come out ahead on that one there too but uh, yeah really interesting mission uh, it was a a lot going on with this one because you had all these additional abilities on your guys you're like oh you know uh, my death master I wanted to hit to save him for last 
in the turn because you know if you have all those abilities right you want to you want to let the turn play out and then use his abilities for for maximum effect but uh when he got gibbed i was just like oh okay this is bad but uh yeah we, you know great tournament um those last two games really intense games yeah i can't wait for jolly to run another one yeah well, I, I had a good time at the uh, jolly event that uh jolly run event that i played at so runs good events go to his events this gets us to after thanksgiving we had uh, another meetup so this was a real informal meetup at your local store, Mavericks. Yep, Mason, Ohio. So um, yeah, this was this was fun. We just uh, didn't play anything structured. We just played a bunch of games with everybody that was there. Um, had some good times. I played three games and I played three different war bands, just trying to get a feel for some stuff in 2.0 that I hadn't tested yet. Yeah, uh, we had uh, James and JD that we met there. Yep, uh, Soul Black Grave Lords. Uh, and a couple of Zinch lists, yeah. And, uh, Zinch Mortals and a Zinch Demons. So a um, lot, a lot of variety. Very cool to play against a variety of of players and warbands. Um, I played Daughters of Cain, Beast of Chaos, and I don't remember what I played other than that. But oh, uh, the um, you played your Flesh Eater Quartz, I think, didn't you? Yeah, Flesh Eater Quartz list. Yeah, yeah. And we played a variety of mission types. Um, my big takeaways were that uh, Zangers are really good. Yeah, movement five, 15 wounds uh, from Zinch Mortals. So I played against uh, a Zinch Demon's gun line. And so it did not have the pink horrors, but it had blue horrors. So the blue horrors have a, uh, have a, have a range attack as well that actually sort of adds up. They caught one of my guys out in the open early on and, and murdered him. I was like, Ooh, okay. I need to close with combat with these guys quick and start abusing the, uh, the friendly fire rule. And, uh, and I think he came to a good conclusion. He came, um, I can't remember if it was James or JD. Uh, he had come to the conclusion that pink whores weren't worth it because even though you get that value from split before doing split again, you pay so much for the pink whores that you wind up with fewer activations and you oftentimes don't have as many uh, free guys available to actually do the reaction properly to get that split again or to get the first split. He had like, I think nine models on the table with the blue horrors. And it was very hard for me to try to target, target uh, horrors that hadn't activated yet. So I'm just running in rad ogres and I'm just like, well, I'm going to smash it. I know he's going to get a brimstone out of it, but fine. I'm going to smash that one too. And just had to like very, yeah. I just had to grind through all of those, all of those horrors. Yeah. I, um, I played daughters of Cain who, who I really like on paper. I don't know if this is the list that I would play again. The blood rack Medusa is still really, really good. Uh, yeah, just the slaughter is still fine. Yeah. Medusa, Medusa. I, um, uh, what else to go up the, with the blood rack? The gore guy. Okay, Wait. not not the iron scale, but just not the, the iron gore scale. Guy? Okay. The gore guy is just the um, blood sister or whatever, the the snake. The smaller one. Here. So yeah. so two so two big medusas and then a bunch of the sisters. A bunch of sisters of slaughter, yeah, and uh, it was it was fine. Um, the gore guy is um, a little glassy and got caught out and killed too quick, which was a problem. Uh, blood rack is just insane. A really, really good model. Um, it's hard to go completely wrong with that model as a centerpiece. Uh, Beast of Chaos, the the Doom Bull was still insane. Um, yep. Yep. You played, yep, you played me. You played me, and the Doom Bull was 
was dominant on the board. Killed two rat ogres. The big takeaway from that game that I had was the movement doubles were really, really good. Um, and that's kind of what kind of clicked with thinking about the Iron Jaws charge and the on the maw path and has me sort of building in that direction for a little bit. I don't have any firm lists yet, but free actions are good in this game and free actions on doubles are, are good. So yep. so that gave me some some things to think about there. Um, obviously, the best of gore was really bad. We knew that was going to be the case. Yeah, your Beast of Chaos list was was Doom Bull, Cockatrice, Bestigore, and uh, and then the rest were Gores, I think, right? No, there was also a um, Blood Kind, not a Blood Kind, a Bull Gore. That's right. Yep. Gore in there. Um, non-optimized list, mostly just an adapted 1.0 list. Um, I still think Beast of Chaos are they have a lot of good units, but uh, I don't think that that's the list I would necessarily run back. Did fine. Played against a Soul Black Grave Lords list uh, with a Varg Skier that's in the picture here, and a bunch of skeletons. And, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Some really cool looking warbands. Yeah, yeah. Good stuff. Uh, also, also seen as Untamed Beasts. I think this is my brother playing Untamed Beasts because uh, he was in town. And uh, yeah, we learned a little bit about Untamed Beasts even too. Uh, one, oh, one box, one Untamed <coughs> Beasts. And uh, I, we actually kind of changed the deployment groups based on uh, based on uh, chatting chatting afterwards because we had been putting the first Fang together with the with the uh, Heart Eater for that combo to do a pull, and then he had the Leader smash a guy. Yeah. But uh, the Prey Takers hit really hard, but they also uh, but they're also super glassy, and so. Makes sense actually. You put the first thing with them instead, and now your goal is you know, the heart eater, he's fine by himself, he, he'll smash a bunch of stuff regardless. Yeah, he, you know, he can have he can go well by himself, but uh, you want to combo the first thing with the two prey takers, and you want to look for a vulnerable model, pull it in, and then you have the prey takers smash a guy, and then you don't care about how glassy they are because they're because they're beating up on helpless uh targets that got pulled in. Yes, and I think that's a I think that's a, a way better approach to take for untamed beasts. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense to me. I, I want to play around with the um, great prey shaman for a similar type stuff. You know, I, I think again, free actions are good in this game, and pulls if a pull, yeah, especially that, that pull. creates a free action because you get to double attack rather than move and attack. Um, you know, it, it generates can potentially generate a lot of value. Yeah, the friendly fire rule actually comes into play with the, the with the first thing, uh, which is actually kind of unfortunate. Whew, a lot of events. Yep, and we got more coming uh, as we record this next weekend, Sunday. We're back to Epic Loot in Centerville, monsterless tourney practice. So we'll do match play missions. We'll do this one a little bit more informally, no medals on the line, warband swapping allowed. I actually kind of want to do the store championship this month, but with the holidays, uh, I'm not sure what sort of turnout I'm going to get. Plus, also, do want to give kind of people a fair ch- uh, a fair shot at kind of like, okay, hey, let's get get some reps in without monsters, so that yeah. people aren't going in completely cold, since we've had monsters for the first few uh, events that we had. But uh, yeah, hoping to get uh, a number of people, you know, hoping to get a, a good number of people out there for that to get ready for the store championship. Uh, i got a copy of the flyer there. It's out on all the local discords. And uh, let's see. And I haven't set up another date for anything at Mavericks yet, but uh, potentially maybe another Saturday at Mavericks, potentially, too. 
Absolutely. Great, great store, great facilities there. So, yeah, come out and test. Um, if you haven't played in non-monster meta, it's worth getting the reps in. If you have played in non-monster meta, it's still worth getting the reps in. I'm sure we'll have a ton of different warbands to test with and against. And uh, I think uh, we'll uh, continue to, to develop. Um, yeah, the, a lot, yeah, a lot more newbie-friendly. And you get, get, just play some good, honest war cry. Absolutely. Sounds good. Can't wait. This brings us to a close for this episode of Dayton Warcry Club. We focused on local events this week, but next week we'll do the same thing for winning lists from the big Warcry tournament that was held at Warhammer World last weekend. In addition to our YouTube channel, you can also listen to this on your podcast platform of choice. I've included the RSS link here, but you should, but we should be indexed on Apple, Google, Spotify, and other podcast platforms. But one of the best places to see some of the latest lists that we post and get help with your new lists is on the official Warcry Discord, a great community with the link in the description. Until then, I'm War Machine. I'm Fred Shred. Thanks for listening. Fix it and post. <laughs>